Welcome to College Football Live. Glad to have you with us with Tom Lucanville and Greg McElroy. I'm Wendy Nix. There is no rest for the weary, and that does include former Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, because just one day removed from helping Alabama win yet another national title, Sarkeesian was on the move. Uh, although announced a few weeks ago, he was formally introduced as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Here's Sark on what to expect now in Austin. To Longhorn Nation, uh, it's time to go to work. Uh, and clearly, you guys have probably seen my mantra, this work will be all gas and no brakes. We will go to it full-fledged. We will lay down on the hammer and go get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, to put on the burn orange and white and to represent this great university in the great state of Texas uh, is one I don't take lightly. Uh, and we will go for it to the highest level. Hook them. Sarkeesian has led Alabama to the two highest scoring sessions in seasons, I should say, in program history. He's also led two separate quarterbacks, Tua Tungavailoa and Mac Jones, to some of the most efficient seasons in the last 15 years. Luke's, look, it's been a revolving door there in Texas, really, since Mac, uh, Mac Jones departed. Mac Jones, since Mac Brown got <laughs> Mac Jones on the brain, departed. Uh, what should we expect from Sarkeesian, and what's he up against against a place with tremendous resources, nonetheless also some stiff competition? Well, I think two things. The moment he sees somebody's hand going in that cookie jar that doesn't belong, chop it off. You, you've got to remove people out of the equation that could get in the way of you doing your job to the best of your ability. And then I think secondly, from a recruiting perspective, there's so much power, there's so much money behind this thing, and with that is going to come tremendous pressure to sign this five-star guy and that five-star guy and beat A&M on this guy and you know beat Oklahoma on that guy. Well, the one thing I know about the state of Texas is you're going to sign on average 375 kids to an FBS letter of intent. Don't sign the guy that is already tapped out, that has no ceiling, that looks great now but is going to be the same guy four years from now. I think Sark, Greg, knows that as, as well as anybody. And if you look at how Baylor built their program initially when they were having success, they didn't go get those guys, and they had great offensive personnel. They did, and Sark needs to continue to be a quarterback guru. Of course, you heard Wendy just a second ago reference Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> and Mac Jones, both of which had incredible seasons by Steve Sarkeesian's measure, and in large part too because he creates so many different problems for defenses with matchups and pre-snap movement and pre-snap motion, and he also makes it remarkably easy on quarterbacks. He needs to go out and he's assigned a remarkably well-respected recruit recruit for the 2022 class. That recruit might play at South Lake Carroll. His name's Quinn Ewers, and he was formerly a Texas recruit before switching and committing to Ohio State. If he signs with Texas, it's going to signal that there's a new sheriff in town in Austin, and it's a destination for offensive talent to flock to. And I think if he can make that move, Lugs, it legitimately has a chance to send shockwaves to the rest of the college football world. Well, it absolutely would, and then what does that lead to? It leads to the skill around the quarterback wanting to play with him, right? Uh, you know, when he was at SC and his best season was a nine-win season, their offensive skill there was way better than what Texas is currently playing with now. So he knows he's got to go out and he's got to get speed. He's got to get guys that can play in space. To your point, Greg, uh, create those mismatches. He knows more, I think, than anybody else, or as well as anybody else, 
that it is players, not plays. He's going to be smart. He's going to put his kids in a position to win and win those one-on-one matchups. But in order to do that, you got to have better players than the other team. And I think that's the, the entire ball of wax for Texas going forward. Get better players on offense. Another thing too, Lugs, do not lose, fat, lose sight of the importance on the defensive side of the football. Of course, Sark is going to make his name and he's going to sell a lot of tickets and all this stuff by scoring a lot of points and putting forth a remarkably productive offense. But I think Lincoln Riley's a good example. Learn from his mistakes. Too much emphasis on the offensive side of the football the first few years. As a result, the defense was atrocious. Well, they finally have started to commit to the defensive side of the football with a new identity under Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator. And look at the results. They are on the cusp, I think, of having maybe their best year under Lincoln Riley in 2021, in large part due to the balance they've created. So make sure, yes, while scoring points is important, don't turn your back on the defensive players on the other end of the field because those guys are going to help you win championships. And ultimately, at Texas, that's what you're chasing. Well, that's exactly what they're chasing, and that's why he's got the opportunity. Meanwhile, back in Alabama, don't forget he leaves some big shoes to fill. Uh, Nick Saban says the search is underway for the offensive coordinator to replace Sarkeesian, although former Texans coach Bill O'Brien said to be the leader in the clubhouse. So proud of this group. We're going undefeated and winning the national championship. I think we're the best team to ever play. Well, there's no place like home, and that has to be especially true for the Tide, who made their way from Miami back to Tuscaloosa to a hero's welcome celebrating their sixth national championship in 12 years. Alabama's solid showing from start to finish Monday night has some suggesting they are among the greatest college teams in history. And with that, we also welcome Bill Conley, who has an article out today on ESPN.com talking about the top teams in championship history. You have to include the 2019 LSU Tigers, of course, Bill. But listen, this Alabama team was impressive. Where, in your opinion, do they rank among these all-time great teams? I mean, I think they get the number one spot right now. I, you know, the way, the way that 2019 LSU ended the year, that's what Alabama was all season. It took LSU a lot of improvement to get to that point, but Alabama dominated from start to finish. One game under 15 points with an all-SEC schedule. They almost won their two playoff games by as much as LSU did. I, I think they get the nod top to bottom. It's hard to argue with anything Bill said. I mean, they, from an offensive standpoint, personnel, let's start there because that's where it all starts. You have three of the most incredible performances from a year-in, year-out basis that we saw at both receiver, quarterback, and running back with Najee Harris at running back, Mac Jones at quarterback, and Devontae Smith, your Heisman Trophy winner, at wide receiver. You have a secondary player who missed half the season in Jalen Waddell that will likely be drafted in the top 15. You have tight end in Jaleel Billingsley, who came on as the season went along. And then you have the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line that goes to the best offensive line in college football. The offense was amazing. It's the defense where I would maybe shoot some holes in that logic. I don't know if it was the most well-balanced. I also take into account, though, with Bill and with Lugs, 
Guys, nobody played great defense this year. Very few teams put forth a consistent effort on that side of the football. So in a year that really favored the offense more than any other, it's a very strong year to have a great team like Alabama has from top to bottom offensively. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing, too, about them offensively, and, and I said this going actually into the championship game, what's the one thing that Alabama did not do all year long? They didn't have a bad performance at quarterback. Mac Jones didn't ever have an off day. He didn't do what Kyle Trask did in the Cotton Bowl. You know, he didn't have something where he took negative plays, gave the ball to the other team, and put their team in jeopardy. I think the sustained consistency, Bill, to your point, from week one all the way through, and to not have a hiccup, not have one of those deals where you're going, wow, you know, we snuck out of that one, is, is remarkable. And I think that in this year is something to be said about. Yeah, I think we got to the end of the year still kind of underestimating, underestimating Mac Jones. I don't know how that's possible exactly, national title winning quarterback, but it felt like we still weren't necessarily giving him enough credit. But yeah, and on the other side of the ball, if you had dynamite athletes, explosive, explosive offenses, then you could hurt Alabama. Uh, you know, two teams did. Georgia did for a half. Basically, Ohio State did for a few drives. But outside of those Florida and uh, Ole Miss games, they still gave up, what, 16 points per game overall? They were as well-rounded as we've seen. And, and there's no question that there were no utterly dominant defenses in college football this year. I think they were still one of the five or six best to go with the best offense in the country as well. And that's a, that's a pretty ridiculous combination. I would agree with you, Bill, though, that we continue to underestimate Mac Jones in large part, I think, because we started the season saying, can he fill the shoes of Tua Tungavailoa? There's no way. There's going to be a drop-off. And then, in fact, that's, that's really not what we saw. So it's easy to talk about this one team. But let me talk about this this program in its entirety that Nick Saban's built. When you talk about dynasties in the NFL, you talk about Bill Belichick's Patriots. Have we seen a greater football dynasty, if you will, than the one at the college level than the one Nick Saban has built in Tuscaloosa? I don't really know that we have. I know we use hyperbole a lot, especially right after a season ends. But, um, you know, only Bobby Bowden at Florida State managed this long, 12, 13 years, top 10, no down seasons, no rebuilding. Uh, only Bobby Bowden managed that long a stretch of that. And he also only won two national titles. Nick Saban has six. Uh, so, I mean, now you have to compare them to the longer stretches of Nebraska being in the top 10, uh, you know, Notre Dame in the 30s and 40s. You know, that's it's crazy that we have to go that far back. But I think Alabama gets it at this point, honestly. Maybe maybe reflection in an offseason will change my mind on that. But I think they're number one now. Yeah, I think they are, too, Bill. And it's because of two reasons. One the unprecedented streak right now in which they've reached number one in the poll every single year since 2008. That's a ridiculous stat in and of itself. The longest stretch before this was the Miami Hurricanes in the late 80s and early 90s. That's number one. Number two, they haven't lost to an unranked team since 2007. 90 plus victories against teams that they're supposed to beat. The last loss actually came in a four-game losing streak to Louisiana Monroe in 2007. It's been that long, though. Some of the kids that are playing on Alabama's roster right now were five years old the last time Alabama lost to a team that was unranked. Think about that. The consistency and performance to beat not just the best teams in college football, but to beat the teams you're supposed to beat Lugs, I, I don't know if we'll ever see a streak quite like this again. 
Well, and Greg, what makes it even more remarkable is the fact that you're doing it in the era of social media and the internet. You know, all these coaches, Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno, all these guys, didn't have to deal with all the, all the negative clutter, all of the things that you have to deal with each and every day while trying to sustain a program. Honestly, I know I said this yesterday, but I, I may say it every day because it just blows my mind that every single player that has played for Nick for at least three seasons has won a national championship. I mean, that sustained success is just hard to imagine, to your point, Bill, in this day and age when there's so many other ways to compete and distract. Well, uh, they will live to play another day. At least that's the hope. And we are already looking ahead to next season. Uh, why not? Caesar Sportsbook by William Hill has already released the odds for next year, and Alabama, the initial favorite, surprise, surprise, to repeat as national champions. Clemson, though, not too far behind, followed by Ohio State and Oklahoma. Still to come on College Football Live, their weekend, week-out opponents this season were literally just half the battle for Alabama. A look back at how the tide rolled under the steady hand of the aforementioned Nick Saban. And it's too soon. No, it's never too soon. A look at our way too early top 10 for the 2021 season, and it will be here before you know it. With Monday night's decisive win over Ohio State, Nick Saban secured his sixth championship in 12 seasons in Alabama, tying him with the legendary Bear Bryant. But before you tire of the same old story, consider that this was a season like we've never seen before. Here's Ryan McGee. For a moment, let's set aside everything Nick Saban accomplished prior to 2020. While we're at it, heck, let's shelve everything Bear Bryant did too. All of their previous wins, their 12 national titles, anything done before this year, because what Saban and the Crimson Tide just did might very well be the most impressive season ever posted by what was already considered the greatest college football program there's ever been. Championship unlike any before Alabama, an emphatic champion in 2020. The Tide ran the table for just the second time in Saban's 14 season. Undefeated and they did it playing an all-SEC regular season schedule. They beat five teams who won bowl games. And in the college football playoff, they defeated the two leading candidates to challenge them for that greatest program ever title, Notre Dame and Ohio State. They did all of the above with style. Hurling is Harris, Devontae, oh my goodness! ranked among the national leaders in nearly every major offensive category all season long, producing three of the top five Heisman vote games. Smith, Jones, Harris, the triplets are tough to stop. Two Heisman finalists. The best players for Alabama are the best in all college football. And the announcement, please. Winner of the Heisman Trophy, Devontae Smith. All of that would be impressive in any year. But when placed within the context of this year, it feels like a miracle. No spring practice. A season that started a month late after the commissioner said it might not start at all. An Iron Bowl played without saving. A near empty stadium. A moved Rose Bowl. The constant looming threat of a shutdown. The stress was as relentless as the Alabama offense. 
stay focused on what you need to do to keep getting the results that we want. But the Tide didn't really survive the 2020 college football season. They rolled over. Alabama does it. Absolute perfection. Posting the most perfect season in the middle of this most imperfect year. I mean, really remarkable when you look back and you think about all the different challenges that it didn't involve teams on the field, Greg. And, and we've talked about this so many different ways, understandably so, because it's been remarkable to watch. But let me ask it like this. Do you think this is Nick Saban's best coaching performance, given what he had to get his team to agree to and buy into in order to be successful? Yes. This was, without question, his best coaching performance because it required more of not just the players, but the coaches as well, the sacrifices, and also, in some cases, being able to delegate. At one point, he wasn't on the sideline for the Iron Bowl. Think about that. He had to delegate that responsibility to Steve Sarkeesian, and he also had to delegate responsibility in the week leading up to the Georgia game by not being there because he had a false positive test early in the week. So I think it was, without question, his best coaching performance. Another thing, too, it's been six or seven years in the making of the transition from a team that made their hay on the defensive side of the football to becoming more and more about scoring points and creating RPO and being a pass-happy attack. This was the culmination of that. This was really a process to get to this point. And even back Dating all the way back to 2018 or 17, the last time they won a national championship, they still won a few games that year on the defensive side of the football. That was not the case. They didn't win a single game because of defense this year, and it truly was a remarkable performance from start to finish by Coach Saban and his entire staff. You know, Greg, you talk about a remarkable coaching performance, and I think the reason why this team responded so well is this is probably his greatest collective group of non-me guys, team guys, guys that understood the bigger picture, were buying into the bigger picture, you know, not having opt-outs when you could easily had uh, opt-outs, playing for one another. That, that whole thing, I actually think, was galvanized by this pandemic, having to spend more time with each other, not going back to the dorm room, not going out socially. Who were you around? The only people you could be around. And I think that created some camaraderie. I think it added to their team chemistry in such a positive way. So not only did he do a great job coaching, but he had the right collective group at the right time to pull it off. I agree, Lugs. And look, I mean, Nick Saban, of all people, stays away from hyperbole. But I do think it's why he said there might have been more talented groups in the history of college football. That's for someone else to decide, he said. But he did believe this was the greatest team. And I think the emphasis on the word team and the way they played together for all the reasons you just described. Meanwhile, it has become a tradition at College Football Live right after the national championship because we all love college football. Can't wait for it to get back. And so what do we do? We've got the way too early top 25 for 2021. You won't believe who's at number one.
Busy night in college basketball on Thursday. Number one Gonzaga hosting rival Pepperdine. It's right after number 10 Oregon and number 11 Arizona women's basketball. Our coverage tips at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 Pacific. Well, it's official. 2020 season is over and already we look ahead. Mark Schleyball releasing his annual way too early top 25. Clemson clocking in at the top followed by Alabama and over the previous three years, 11 of the 15 that were in the top five of these initial rankings ended up in the preseason top five in April for whatever that's worth. I don't know, Greg, but there you go. Clemson at the top. You can see where Alabama and Ohio State fall. What's your take? Way too early. I'm liking what we're seeing from Iowa State. I'm glad that we're recognizing that this team could potentially return a top three or four quarterback in college football in Brock Purdy. And ultimately in the Big 12, that's the position you have to have if you're going to play at a ridiculously high level. He's accurate. He's athletic. He's a gamer. The only problem is he turns the football over. So I'm hoping that with another year of coaching, another year of refinement, some of those mistakes he occasionally makes will go by the wayside and he'll put forth a more complete effort. But I believe Iowa State will be the biggest thorn in the side of Oklahoma, Luke, who I know you're very excited about. Yeah, I am excited about them, and, and we know they've got a quarterback as well, but what makes me so excited is, is what they've accomplished on defense. You mentioned earlier in the show Lincoln Riley makes the change. He makes the right hire in Alex Grinch. Now, all of a sudden, this is a football team that pressures people up front. They keep the ball in front of them. They tackle much better. They're not giving up explosives, and they're creating turnovers. I mean, this, this Oklahoma defense, and this team got hot down the stretch, not just because of what they were able to do on offense, but because of what they accomplished on defense. And that's how they're going to eventually win a college football playoff game. All right, my way too early prediction is that we won't cancel the season, then change our mind, then play the season and kind of – let's just hope it looks a lot more normal or some (laughs) version of normal when we kick off the 2021 season. Looking forward to it. Uh, For Tom and Greg, I'm Wendy. We'll be back tomorrow again all week long. Congratulations to Alabama, another national title. See you soon.